a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Those of you who don't know me, my name's Matt. I'm married to Lou. Um, I have two children, Jordan and Layla. Um, we have a fish with no name, uh, a snail named George, just for those of you who are at Life Group on Tuesday. Um, where's my Life Group leader gone? I saw him earlier. We've got a dog. We don't talk about the dog. He's annoying. No, I have a dog as well. It's great to be here. Thank you for letting me do this, uh, Tom, Becky and Miles. You probably weren't expecting me, but I have manfully stepped into the breach. When Graham went into hospital, for some reason he said he didn't want to preach. I'm not quite sure why. He's only down the road. I mean, we could have sneaked him out, I'm sure. But no, he didn't want to preach, so uh, I've stepped into the breach. I've had uh, an interesting week this week. I got prayed for last Sunday, which is great. Where's Adam? Is he around? Is he take- he's taking the baby, is he? Oh, he's taking the baby. Anyway, Adam prayed for me last week, and I had a really great time with God. Um, and it was really good. But ever since then, I don't know if you noticed this, but when you have a good time with God, things start happening in your, in your head and stuff like that, and things start changing. And along with that, I've been listening to um, a book as I've been driving around called The Shack. I know some of you may have heard of it. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a book, a Christian book, but it's a fiction book. But it's been uh, causing a few stirs in Christian circles just because of, uh, it's about a guy who spends a weekend with God. Um, and for me, it's really blown apart my preconceived ideas of God. I mean, I've been a Christian for quite a long time, but I thought I had God you know, in quite a big box, I suppose. But it's, even that, it's blown the walls down from that. So it's, it's been an interesting week just, just de- dealing with that. I would recommend it. If you, if you haven't read The Shack, do read it. It's a good book. What's even better is if you get it on CD, then someone reads it to you. Um, and there's nothing quite like being read to, is there? I love it. I don't know about you, but I, I'm not a great reader. But when someone reads to me, I find I take a lot more in, and it's just a real—it's a real luxury. So, get it on CD, listen to it. Uh, I think it will challenge you. Um, so yeah. So this week I've been dealing with the fact that I think I'm in a place of nothingness. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I've—I uh, was one of the elders of the church. I've recently stepped down. Uh, I lost my dad a couple of years ago, um, and we've been going through some family stuff as well. And this last week was just a realization that. Everything's been stripped away, and now it's just me. Uh, and when you get to a place like that where you're just you, it's quite a scary place to be, to be honest, because I had so many things I could lean on and stuff, and now it's just me and, and me and God. And so that's quite a scary place. And also, I've um, been learning the art of patience this week. We've run out of tea bags at home. So uh, just, before my, my, well, yeah, just before my dad died, he was um, going to start doing some work for a tea company in Sri Lanka because they were out there for a few years um, and we have stacks and stacks well my brother has stacks and stacks of tea at home uh, but it's proper tea and with proper tea you have to leave it for ages have you noticed this? a PG tips bag you dunk it in two seconds take it out you get a nice cup of tea try that with this and you get like water with a funny flavour so I have to leave it for about five minutes this tea bag um, and I'm not very good at waiting so I've been learning the art of patience this week with my tea but God uses funny things to teach us lessons, doesn't he? It's not always straight out of the Bible. Sometimes he uses people and, and other things to, to teach us. Anyway, that's an aside. This morning, I want to look at the, the subject of faith. Um, 
when um, I phoned up John and said, oh, is there anything I can do, thinking that he would say, oh, yeah, if you could just be around and help out, that'd be great. And when he said, oh, do you fancy preaching, I thought, oh, I'll go on, and I volunteered anyway, so I'm going to do that. And it's great, because a couple of weeks ago, I was moving my mum, uh, and we went to her church. She, she goes to a Church of England church, um, and they meet in a school, and she's got a lady vicar, all things that really freaked me out. But it was great to listen to her, and she was talking on this subject as well. Um, and it really spoke to me. Um, so I did a bit of research on the internet, and I'd like to thank uh, an Australian pastor who I've never met uh, for quite a lot of this. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure if I meet him one day, I'll just shake his hand and say that was a great preacher. But, so yeah, I've borrowed quite a lot of this from him, but uh, it really was on my heart um, to bring this morning. So um, here we go. First question for you. How many of you want more faith? few hands going up. Great. Okay. Let's uh, go turn to the Bible, shall we? We're going to turn to Luke 17. We're going to read the first 10 verses. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, we'd be great. If not, don't worry. I've got them written down here, so I shall, uh, I shall read away. Okay, Luke 17. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to sin are bound to come, but woe to that person through whom they come. It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. So watch yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins again, or against you seven times in a day, and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith with an exclamation mark. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Suppose one of you had a servant ploughing and looking after the sheep. Would he, would he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Would he not rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me a while, while I eat and drink? After that you may eat and drink. Would he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Let's just quickly pray. Lord, I just want to ask this morning that you would help me just to be able to speak out what you've put on my heart this morning. And we thank you for the time of worship and where we were able to give you glory. And Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, that you would just, Lord, speak to people. Lord, come in power this morning. Lord, it's so great that we can worship a powerful, mighty God who is here in our midst this morning. Thank you, Father. Amen. So what have we got in this passage? Well, first of all, we've got Jesus saying, this is how I want you to live. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. So basically, Jesus is saying, this is what I want you to forgive people. Now, forgiveness is quite a big thing. If you hold on to it, it can destroy your life. I don't know how many people you know who have had bad things happen to them who they can't forgive, and it just destroys their life completely. And Jesus is saying, you have to forgive them. This is how I want you to live. And the disciples' reply to that is, to do that, we need more faith. Give us more faith. The disciples are asking for more faith. Not so they can raise the dead or go on a great crusade. They're asking for more faith so they can live how God 
or how Jesus asked them to, so that they can forgive people. Because forgiveness isn't easy, but it's necessary. And if you hold on to it, it won't do you any good at all. Now, there's no question that in order to be a faithful and influential disciple of Jesus, we do need faith. Faith in the goodness and grace of God. Faith that God will do what he says he will do. Faith to do what God tells us to do. We do need faith. But when the disciples ask for more faith, what does Jesus say? Well, he doesn't zap them with more faith, does he? He doesn't give them a little plan to work through, a little eight-step plan, say, if you do this, 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 and this, then you'll have more faith. Now, he talks about tiny seeds. Mustard seeds are one of the smallest seeds you can find. So in answer to the question earlier, you don't need bigger faith. You don't need stronger faith. You don't even need a new and improved faith. It's not the size of the faith that's important. But it's the direction of the faith that matters in seeing significant things happen. It's not how big your faith is. It's what you do with it and which way you take it. You don't need bigger faith. Jesus here is saying, you just need to use what you have. And if you're a Christian this morning, you have faith. Part of becoming a Christian is putting your faith in Jesus. He's saying, yes, Jesus, I believe that you're real. I believe you came, you died. That is faith. You're putting your faith in something. So if you're a Christian here this morning, you have all the faith that you need. Because we have a tendency to think that we need something more in order to see big things happen. Who was here a couple of weeks ago when... uh, I can't remember his name now. Mike Springer. Mike Springer was here. We saw some great things happen. We saw people give their lives to God. We saw 15 people or so... Um, say that they've been healed. Mike Springer has the same amount of faith as we do. You don't have more or less faith. But Mike Springer is willing to step out in that faith. Because sometimes we say we need more resources, maybe we need some more money, we need more people, bigger buildings, more programs and so on. Maybe we say we need more talent, we need more leadership, more time, maybe more faith. We need something more. But Jesus is saying we already have what we need to see the impossible become possible. We have faith as small as a mustard seed. Because we also have another promise, don't we? In 2 Peter 1 verse 3, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. A lot of people, when they think of bigger, stronger or more effective faith, do so in the concept of how do we get God to do what we want him to do maybe they say I have a sick loved one and I want enough faith so that I can see him healed or her healed maybe you've heard this I want a job and I want the kind of faith that will get me one maybe you've heard this I want the church to grow but I need the faith to see it grow And sometimes when we want the faith to see things happen, our motives can be really pure and sincere. But it also goes without saying, sometimes we have selfish motives. We are by nature selfish. We so often want more faith so that what we want gets done. 
And in the second half of the passage, Jesus highlights the fact that we are servants. It's not all about getting what I want. It's all about what God wants. Now, some people have a real problem with this. And maybe that's you. Humanism is so infiltrated, that was the word, our culture, that we think that we are the masters and that God should be here to serve our purposes. Because servanthood, which is what it is, introduces us to a very nasty four-letter word. A word that has been taken out of a lot of people's vocabularies these days. A little four-letter word that's obey. I don't know, but I've heard quite a lot of wedding vows now don't have the word obey in them. We don't like the idea of obedience, do we? We want to be in control. We want to be the masters. We want our wills to be done. And we want to decide how it's done. Maybe we'll say, if God wants me to do this, then I want him to do that. If God exists, and maybe that's a question you're asking this morning, does God exist? I can tell you from personal experience that I know he does. And if you speak to a lot of people here this morning, they'll give you the same answer. But to get to that place, you need faith. Because we can't see God. He's not here. Not in the physical realm. He's here spiritually, but you can't see him. So there is a leap of faith to becoming a Christian. So if God exists, then by the very nature of being God, he gets to set the agenda. If God really is God, then he gets to tell us what to do. It's not the other way around. It's a difficult place to be for some people. They don't like being told what to do. They think because they've been told what to do that they're weaker or it, it takes away from them as a, who, who they are as a, as a personality. But the way it should be is this. God tells, we obey. God commands and we serve. But here's the good bit. When we obey the word of God, faith is released to do what he has told us to do. Remember what Jesus said in the Great Commission. The Great Commission was when he told uh, the disciples to go out. This was, he sent them out, and he sent them out with these words. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I have given you. That's in Matthew 28. So there is something to be obeyed. He was sending them out, saying, go and do this. There was an order, wasn't there? Then we are to teach others to obey. He said, go and make disciples, teach them to obey. And it's in that context that Jesus adds the following words. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. When we obey what Jesus tells us to do, he promises to be there with us in power. So what's the answer then? How do we get, how do we get to this place? How do we get to a place where we can use the little faith we have to see God do mighty things in this church? Well, we need to get the order right. We say, God, give me great big faith and I will use it to see great things happen for you. But the order of this is first faith and then action. Once we have the faith, we'll then do get on and act on it. 
And there's a good reason for this. Part of the reason is the way we've been taught about money. And I don't know about you, but I was taught you only spend what you've got. If you haven't got it, don't spend it. And I think we tend to think of faith a bit like that, don't we? If you haven't got the faith for it, we won't go for it. But it's not that way, is it? Sometimes we'll say, give me faith and I'll use it. But Jesus is saying that we need to reverse that. What Jesus says is act in obedience and the faith will be there waiting for you. Jesus spoke 2,000 years ago about a mustard seed, a very small mustard seed, which turns into a great big tree. So if he was here this morning, maybe he'd talk about what, a microchip or maybe a little fuse. If you had faith as small as an electric fuse, you could transplant the tree from soil to sea. Because like the mustard seed, the value of the fuse is not in its breadth or its length. The key to the fuse is its conductivity. Faith transfers power from God to where it's needed. Now in this country, we've got great lines that stretch across the country, don't we? Power cables. Sometimes these carry up to 110,000 volts in a single cable. Day and night, those big turbines are feeding those cables pumping electricity into it. Then it comes to our homes. And what is it that stops that 110,000 volts from blowing our homes to pieces? A little bit of wire, isn't it? It comes into our homes along the mains, and in our homes there's a little sither of wire. That's the difference between it being light, warmth, or sitting in a dark room. If you haven't got that little piece of wire, no matter how much, how many volts go through that cable... Your home will be cold and dark. The vital link to that is the fuse. Our fuse is made of metal, such as silver wire or something like that. And the secret to it is that it offers low resistance to current. And low resistance means high conductivity. So we can translate into the spiritual, can't we? The lower the resistance to the Word of God, or the Bible, the higher the power rating. The higher our resistance and disobedience to the word, the lower our operational power of God. A fuse with a high resistance will either carry no power at all or it will soon blow out. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're resisting certain bits of what God's talking to you about this morning. Maybe you're fighting against it. Fighting is such hard work, isn't it? When you're fighting against the current, it's hard. When you're going against what God tells you, it's hard work because you are fighting the Almighty God. It's a lot easier to go with what God tells you. Reinhard Bonnke. Is it Bonnke? I never know how to pronounce his name. Is it Bonnke? Bonkers. Reinhard, Reinhard Bonnke said this. We are not generators but conductors. We don't make things happen. God does, but he chooses to do it through us. He goes on to say, the lower our resistance to the word of God, the higher the power rating. The higher our resistance and disobedience to the word, the lower the operational power of God. Same as we were reading earlier. The power comes through putting to use the faith fuse, or the faith that we already have. That's where the power comes using the little bit of faith that we have 
and stepping out. One last statement from my heart. He says, whatever else may be true, one thing is absolutely beyond contradiction. Is that Christianity is a power religion or it is nothing. It is a power religion or it is nothing. Now we have been blessed and we have seen the power of God move in this place. We have seen people healed. We have seen people set free. And we know the power of God. But without that power... We really are wasting our time here this morning. So we can take the word, put in the faith fuse, and the power of God comes through. There'll be light, warmth, energy, salvation, healing, strength, and blessing. Now, I'm guessing that's what we want to see. Is that right? That's a good answer. But our faith is not a towering sensation that everybody sees and gasps at. It's the hidden fuse but by it, the energies of heaven flow into the world. Our modern culture operates on the system of, if I see it, then I'll believe it. We see it in the Bible as well. Thomas, one of the disciples, says to Jesus after he's been raised from the dead, he says, I have to see the scars in the hands and sides, and then I will believe. Uh, Trouble is, it's also a principle used by a lot of Christians. It's used by many who don't believe. Many will say, no, I I can't believe it unless I can see it. See first, and then I'll believe. Maybe get faith first, and then I'll act. But you know, have have you noticed in the Bible how Jesus has a habit of turning human reasoning around? To him, it's a case of believe it, and then you'll see it. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says this, it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. God's never been concerned about the size or the ability of those he chooses. I'm a very good example of that. But he doesn't. There's some great stories in the Bible. Gideon's army. Gideon chose 32,000 men to fight for him. God wanted 300. And God what, he, what God what got what he wanted. And Gideon saw a great victory. Jesus chose 12, 12 disciples who had questionable talent. But we see what God did with them. So he's never concerned about size or ability. We are, you are, exactly the right size for God to use and to make a difference in this city. You have exactly the right amount of faith for God to use in this city. How do we know that? Well, because we've got any size is just the right size. We don't need any more before God can use us. The key is obedience. We simply have to act in obedience with what we've got. So where do we see the power today? Well, we see God's power in lives transformed. Sickness and captives set free. It's right where it's always been. We don't need to ask for more faith. 
But what we do need to do is put into action the faith that we have. A little faith is all that you will ever need. Should we stand? Lord, I just want to ask, Lord, that you would give us boldness this morning. Lord, thank you that, Lord, that step of faith we made, Lord, when we became a Christian is all that we need to see, Lord, people healed, Lord, through our prayers, people set free, free, Lord, through our prayers. Lord, we don't need a great amount of faith, Lord, we need a mustard seed and an obedient heart. Lord, that's what you ask of us this morning is an obedient heart. And Lord, as we step out, you promise to go with us. Lord, you promise to give us all that we need for godliness, Lord. And I thank you for that, Lord, but we have our, our part to play. Lord, when you give us boldness, Lord, as a church, I pray, Lord, would we be bold in stepping out? Lord, I know your heart is to bless this church. Lord, we've seen it, Lord, over the last few weeks. God, you've met us with power. Lord, as we've stepped out, you've met us. Lord, help us to keep stepping out. Lord, we want to keep stepping out for you, Lord. We want to keep, Lord, pushing the boundaries, Lord, of, of where we feel comfortable. Lord, yeah, you've given us all that we need. And Lord, help us to use it this morning. Yeah. Amen.